The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop's Best of Summer Compilation Volume 3. I'm Charlie Clawson. Yes, I'm here to intro some of the best clips from 2022. Uh, if you've listened to the first two weeks of compilations, you know that Podcast Mike has been chipping away in the Tofop minds, coming up with all the gems from last year, and he's been theming them. Now, this week's theme is unpacking funny news articles, which is probably... The most literal, most liter, most literal, and 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 less uh, funny uh, title that Podcast Mike has come with so far. Not 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 to cast any judgment on you, Podcast Mike. You do an amazing job, but this is just literally what it is. It's uh, <laughs> Will and I doing what we do best, and that's unpacking funny news articles uh, or, or, or Wikipedia articles. Um, this first clip you're going to hear was sent in probably by I'd say this was the number one article sent in. Everyone who listens to TOEFOP knows that Will and I have a particular fascination with AI. And this is a story about a chess robot um, that broke a child's finger in Russia. Um, we get into it a little bit, talk about robots, talk about Russia. Here is a robot arm attacking chess. <laughs> That's podcast Mike's title for this clip. There's an article that everyone sent in to us that they wanted just to talk about, which okay. I'm sure uh, you saw as well. Uh, and it's the uh, chess robot grabs and breaks the finger of a seven-year-old opponent. You're across this story? Only the headline because it was sent to me by so many people. And <laughs> okay, uh, um, I decided at the time, I was like, you know what? At some point, we're going to explore this. Did not know it was necessarily going to be this week, but I imagined. I was like, you know, I'm going I'm to wait for somebody else to tell me this story. So I hope that's what's about to happen now, Charlie. Okay. So the article, this is from The Guardian. Chess robot grabs and breaks the finger of seven-year-old opponent. Moscow incident occurred because the child violated safety rules by taking his turn too quickly, an official says. Played by humans, chess is a game of strategic thinking, calm, concentration, and intellectual endeavor. Uh, violence doesn't usually come into it. The same, it seems, can not always be said by of machines. Oh, okay. So you're getting a real sense of where this journalist is approaching it from, kind of like us. They're from the TOEFOP camp. Last week, according to Russian media outlets, a chess-playing robot apparently unsettled by the quick responses of a seven-year-old boy unceremoniously grabbed and broke his finger during a match at the Moscow Open. Uh, the robot broke the child's finger, Sergei Lazarev, president of Moscow's Chess Federation, mm. told the TAS TAAS news agency after the incident, adding that the machine had played many previous exhibitions without upset. <laughs> he then followed up with, this, of course, is bad. <laughs> Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad that they at least knew that this was bad because I would have thought this was one of the things you would really watch out for is like if you're yeah. having a robot play chess against a child, children. you'd be like, our oh, children are a bit unpredictable. Probably even chess genius children are can be a bit impetuous or, you know, just clumsy, you know, not fully coordinated yet. Like we better make sure that our robot's not going to say, for example, rip their tiny delicate fingers off like even the cheapest most like dirt poor 
like carnival that rolls into town will have safety measures. Like you don't often, I mean, I know it happens, but you don't often hear about like seven-year-olds having their fingers broken at their local carny rides. And this has been run by people who are generally on meth. So the fact that like this hoity-toity chess tournament didn't properly safety test the robots before they deployed them on children is staggering. Like how is it possible that the robot's ripping the child's, like how is that even a thing that the robot is able to do? Like I assume that, like I mean, I assume the story will tell us more, but like I assume that the robot's mistaken the kid's hand or something for like a chess piece. Is that what's happened? Well, we'll get it. So video of the July 19 incident published by the, and I'm sure it's not pronounced this, I'm sure it's Bazaar Telegram Channel, but it's B-A-Z-A, so I'm going to call it the Bazaar Telegram Channel. We're going to Australianize it. Yeah, nice. Uh, the video of the incident published by the Bazaar Telegram Channel shows the boy's finger being pinched by the robotic arm for several mm. seconds before a woman fo- followed by three men rush in to free him and usher him away. Mm. Sergei Smargan, vice president of the Russian Chess Federation, is that two Sergeys? Yeah. So Sergey Larivez and Sergey Smargan told Baza that the robot appeared to pounce after it took one of the boy's pieces. Mm. Rather than waiting for the machine to complete its move, the boy opted for a quick response, he said. There are certain safety rules and the child apparently violated them. Oh, <laughs> so we're the kid's complaint. seven. Sorry. No. This is, I mean, very Russian, right? It's, this is the yeah. kids' fault. In Russia, yeah, there were you do not violate the robot. The robot violates you. We have your parents. <laughs> you yeah. know, we've had you in this chess camp for nine of your seven years on this earth. <laughs> you think it's like Black Widow. <laughs> this chess player has been in some kind of yeah. like from birth raised well, to be a chess well, master. Otherwise, what is the scenario in which, like you're a parent, like Iona's mm. not this age yet, but like imagine yeah. she's seven years old. Turns out she just has a remarkable capacity for chess, right? Like she just, yep. you get her a chessboard or you, you know, she has something at home. She's playing checkers. She's really good. You're like, well, maybe we should get her a chessboard. Like she just has like a real, you know, she's a prodigy. You know, she, yep. you, you, you're like, well, we'll encourage this. This is like, you know, her interest and like, you know, you get Adam Spencer involved, he'd be wrapped. He, he comes yeah, totally. in like your Mr. Miyagi, right? Like, you know, to coach her, to train her, you know, moves yeah. you out of the way because you're dead weight yeah. now. You're just carrying the bags and stuff. Like he's in charge of her career. But like, do you think that if he said, okay, I've entered you in this big tour- her in this big tournament, like, but one of the things is she's going to be playing against like a robot and – Look, here's a set of rules so she doesn't get her fingers ripped off. <laughs> How would you feel about that? Well, look, if he honestly, like if if someone, if Spence came to me and said, Hey, look, you know, there's this tournament happening, I'm a terrible parent. I would automatically assume that all safety protocols and measures had been taken and that my child would be completely yeah. safe. I wouldn't ask any questions. I'd be like, oh, there's a robot there. How cute. Is it like the one from Perfect yeah. Match? Is it Dexter? Is she playing against Dexter? Yeah. Can I get a photo of Dexter? That would be <laughs> Where my where my yeah. brain goes. That'll be the problem. You'll be like most devastated, not only at a broken finger, but the fact that you got like several really good like Instagram shots with the robot earlier. So it's going to be really <laughs> <Yeah>. embarrassing. <laughs> um, okay. So the child violated the safety rules. Yes. When he made his move, he did not realize he first had to wait, Smargan said. This is an extremely rare case. The first I can recall, he added. All right. Like, that seems to me like a real simple, at the start of the tournament, yeah. you just say, hey, a few, uh, few housekeeping rules. 
just uh, wait before you make your move because the robot has to complete its function. Uh, amazing that they didn't think that they needed to explain that to anyone who's taking part in the tournament. Oh, but not uh, just like not explain it because I imagine they explained it. But like if someone's seven and they're playing against the robot, like I assume they don't have, they're all, not all playing against robots constantly, right? Like, so can't no, you just right. have like a, an adult supervising, like just there constantly watching this kid's hands as a safety precaution just in case a seven-year-old who's engaged in a game of chess against a artificial intelligence robot maybe forgets for a second that he's not meant to put his hand in. I mean, I blame the kid, well, of course, but... Yeah, of course. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, Lazarev has a different account. He says the uh, child had made a move, yeah. and after that we need him to give time for the robot to answer, mm. but the boy hurried and the robot grabbed him. Either way, he said, the robot supplies were go- the suppliers were going to... Have to think again. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so that's would. their response. I mean, this is Russia because any other uh, developed nation, there would be lawsuit. Like, or maybe apart from China, there would be a lawsuit. Like, this mm-hmm. is this kid is going to whatever fancy university he wants to go to. You know, he's got a deposit for a house. In Russia, it's like bad luck, broken fingers, right. shut your mouth. I mean, and like you only need like two fingers to play chess, right? Like you can still lose a few more to the robot and still, as long as you can like have like a thumb and like a finger to like, you know, and to be honest, like you could, you know, use your mouth. Like if, even if like <laughs> the, the robot broke all your fingers, you could still use your mouth to like, you know, move the pieces around. Um, okay. So Baza named the boy as Christopher and said that he was one of the 30 best chess players or should that be past tense? He was one of the 30 best chess <laughs> players in the Russian capital in the under nines category. Uh-huh. People rushed to help and pulled the finger uh, and pulled out the finger of the young player, but the fracture could not be avoided, uh, Bezza said. Yeah. Um, gives a new meaning to pull your finger out, doesn't it? It does. And, and <laughs> like... also a different meaning to pull my finger as well. <laughs> so, yeah. um, look, it was, so he hasn't snapped the finger off. Like the robot. I think what's happened is it grabbed pincer. Yeah. yeah, and so and, and fractured it because of like how, yeah. Okay, so still painful. This is the equivalent still, of but, of you taking your kid yeah. to like a factory, an automated yeah. factory, like a, where they yeah. make tin cans or they pack foods or whatever, and you've just said to your kid, "Just stand at that conveyor belt. I'm yeah. sure things will be fine." Yeah, but explained <laughs> earlier that you shouldn't put your hand in things, but then like a row of chocolates are coming along, and the kid's <laughs> like, "Oh, chocolates." Well, I got to be honest; I'd probably have a broken finger as well. I wouldn't think twice before <laughs> yeah. nabbing one of those. Uh, Lazarev sold, uh, told Taz uh, that Christopher, whose finger was put in a plaster cast, did not seem overly traumatized by the attack. Mm. The child played the very next day. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. Finished the tournament and volunteers to help record the moves. He said, uh, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> His, his parents, he said. His parents yeah. said. His parents, however, have reportedly contacted the public prosecutor's office. Mm-hmm. We will communicate, figure it out, and try and help in any way we can. He said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said while pressing the button that summons the KGB <laughs> on his desk. Smargan told the RA Novosti the incident was a coincidence, and the robot was absolutely safe. Yeah. You can't say that after it's just broken a child's finger. Yeah. It's like, like, <laughs> like you can't say you could, you could say it is usually you could say it's usually safe. It's normally yeah. safe. You can't say it's this absolutely is the safe. First time, but you can't say it's a coincidence. Like the child just 
like wasn't coincidentally playing a game of chess with an AI robot. Like it was in a chess tournament. Uh, the machine, which can play multiple matches at a time and had reportedly already played three on that day when it encountered Christopher, so? was unique. What, why is that? Was, part was it gets tired? Story, <laughs> Come on, guys. It, bit, Come on. it had already played three games that day. Oh, well, fair enough then. <laughs> who, who wouldn't break a kid's finger four games into a chess tournament in one day? In fact, next year, let's make sure that we have plenty of kids for fingers for, fingers for breaking. Because after three games, this robot's going to be this real tired. Nice. It's the only way we've made a deal with the robot. It's already smarter than us, but it's, it's agreed <laughs> to pretend that it isn't if it can occasionally break a small child's finger. Uh, okay, so it already played three on the day at Encounter Christopher. It was unique. Um, it has performed at many opens. Apparently, children need to be warned. It happens. Yeah. Well, <laughs> He's speaking out both warned. sides of his mouth here, though. Yeah. It's like, well, on one hand, it's absolutely safe. On the other hand, this happens and children yeah. should be and warned. Children should be, be warned, children. But also, children don't need to be warned. Like, parents need to be warned. Adults yeah. need to be warned. And then the adults, yes, need to then pass that on to their children. But this idea that, like, you just, like, cut, cut out the middleman and go straight to the kids. <laughs> like, like, no. Yeah. Uh, this is the third person featured in this story called Sergey. They've all the yeah. men. I mean... Look, you know, I don't believe in stereotyping anyone, especially in like a whole country of people, but are all of you called Sergey? Because <laughs> it seems like you are. I mean, do you think that, I mean, it's just a, a very common name in Russia, obviously, or yeah. is this one of those situations where none of them want to be identified? Like they're giving <laughs> quotes to the press, right? So they've all just gone, what's your yeah. name, Sergey? What's uh, your name? Well, Sergey. Uh, I would agree with you, except they're giving surnames as well. So mm. a Russian grandmaster, Sergei Karjakin. 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 Oh, I know this guy's been there. I think you're right, Will. I think this guy's just, he's just fucking made it up. Sergei Karjakin. I watched The Fast and the Furious last night. Hang on. <laughs> let's, go back, think let's go back and re-examine the two previous like surnames that okay, we've had to see if they're also Bart Simpson style. Like, so who okay, the Sergei yeah. Lazarev. Lazarev. Laser Lazarus, Sergei, sounds, yeah, okay. Sergey Smagin, S M A G I N, Smagin, Smagin or Smagin. Yeah, both of those sound like they could be made up names to me. Yeah, and then Sergey Karjakin, yeah, or Karjakin, <laughs> or Karjakin. No, it's, it's definitely Kar, I think it's Karjakin. Yeah. Yeah. Sergey Karjakin said the incident was no doubt due to some kind of software or something. Yeah, or something. <laughs> <laughs> adding, yes. this has never happened before. Yeah. There are such accidents. I wish the boy good health. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> but also, Christopher may have. That's like, yeah, okay. Well, all right. Look, I mean, again, I think they could be telling the truth. Like this may be the first incident, but yeah. the idea that this wasn't something that they could expect to happen is the thing that is stunning to me. Yeah. Well. I mean, I guess the question is, like, this is obviously like an exhibition thing, like when you play yeah. Deep Blue. I imagine Deep Blue doesn't have a robotic arm. But it doesn't strike me that anyone's contrite enough to go, you know what, maybe we should get rid of the robot arm. Let's just stick just, with Deep Blue and someone has right. to make the pieces for him. That, is it, why do we need the robot arm? Like, um, is to, it, to break fingers. 
<laughs> finger breaking. I'm here like, to win games of chess and break fingers. No, yeah. but that, I think I was you're born right. to do two things: <laughs> checkmate and break fingers. That's what the computer says. Because I'm a computer. I'm AI. <laughs> I'm here to do two things, man: checkmate and break fingers. That's how it starts trash talking the kids. <laughs> the computer. I'm so, here to do two things: checkmate and break fingers. We don't need the robot up. You've identified the absolute issue, which is you can still have the AI technology, but they can. Why don't we just always still have a human involved, where the like the computer makes the move, and then the human who is next to them keep a human employed as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, yeah. we don't need don't to cut out the middleman, particularly when it's so dangerous for children. Christopher may have been lucky. While robots are becoming more and more sophisticated mm. with most modern models capable of not just interacting but actively cooperating with humans, most simple repeat the same basic actions, grab, move, put down, mm. and neither know nor care if people get in the way. Okay, yeah. thanks for the explanation. Right. According to one 2015 study, one person is killed each year by an industrial robot in the US alone. Yeah. Indeed, according to the US Occupational Safety Administration, most occupational accidents since 2000 involve robots and have been fatal. Sorry, I misread that. Most occupational accidents since 2000 involving robots have been fatalities. Mm. Robert Williams, widely considered the first, was crushed to death by the arm of a one-ton robot on Ford's Michigan production line in 1979. In 2015, a robot killed a 22-year-old contractor at one of Volkswagen's German plants, grabbing him and crushing him against a metal plate. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that so many people were getting killed by robots, did you? Just one a year, which just feels like I'm practicing, right? Like just getting enough information (laughs) every year to just work out how to do it really. Because they know that you can't, like one a year, no one's paying much attention, right? It's more than one a year. Robots used in medical surgery were also held responsible for the deaths of 144 people between 2008 and 2013. Yeah, well, it's easy Mate, to cover they're getting up. Their, they're they're yeah. getting their reps up. Well, that's <laughs> definitely that's, that's easy. That's like that, you know, the doctor death, the person, the guy who was like the serial killer who was killing like people in hospitals, the doctor, because he, um, you know, you can actually go, oh, no, they were like, you know, they were old, they were sick, they were whatever. Like, I'm not actually a serial killer. This is what the robots have been doing. They're practicing where we're not going to suspect anything. Uh, More recently, Elaine Herzberg was killed by Uber's autonomous car Mm. when it hit the 49-year-old at 40 kilometers an hour Mm. in Arizona in 2018. Generally, however, human error or lack of human understanding of robotic processes Mm. is the most frequent cause. And then there's this final sentence. It pays to be careful around robots, (laughs) even if they're only playing chess. Yes. Firstly, PSA to finish yes, the article. Good, good message at the end. But secondly, this idea where they always say, oh, well, you know, there's always human error. You're like, yeah, but that's who's going to be in charge of the robots until the robots are in charge of us is humans. Like, I absolutely agree that, like, one of the things that I'm most terrified about is, like, human error. Like, you know, we are... Mm sometimes incapable of understanding what it is we develop until we develop it. And then we see the ramifications of the choices that we've made. Like, you know, you see it with the internet. Like mm. if people think this couldn't happen with AI and and robots and stuff, you just got to look at what happened with the internet. Like 30 years ago, yeah. the world was just a completely different world to what it is now. And then this thing came along that like, that we all just were like, Oh, you know, fuck that old world. 
There's yeah. a new world now. Let's jump headfirst <laughs> like into this. All just let's connect. Yeah, let's connect the world's information yeah. instantaneously. Yeah. Let's give each other just like tiny little glowing yeah. boxes with the world's yeah. information. That's going to help our mental health. You <laughs> know what? That'll just make What would happen better. if we just put all this peroxide in the mouth guard <laughs> and whacked it in our face at the same time? Let's see what happens. And now we've all got invisible teeth. <laughs> I'd say that was one of, I don't know, maybe I'd say conservatively a dozen articles about AI or robots that we read this year, but that was probably the most popular one. Um, this next little article we get into uh, was sort of triggered by a photo on Instagram or Twitter, I believe. I'm not really sure. Uh, Russell Crowe um, at the Coliseum taking a photo. Guess where I am? Um Russell Crowe, a favourite of the show, clearly. We named our show after his his, his terrible band. Um, I have a dream that one day Russell will appear on either Fofop or even Philosophy. I'll be happy with that. That fits under the stable. But the ideal would be for us to get Tofop and Tofog on stage together for a live show. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but while you think about just what a train wreck that might be, uh, why didn't you cast your minds back to when Russell Crowe took a photo at the Coliseum? What was Russell Crowe in the news for this week? Do you know? No. Okay. I think he was back to his old sort of, oh, here we go. Um, all right. So this is from uh, two days ago uh, from the Herald Sun. So I'm going to have to open up a, I'm going to have to log into a page to read this. Let's so this is not the, the, the cuddly, funny, rusty that we've all come to know and love. The, I haven't seen the new Thor, but apparently he does a spot on Con the Fruiterer playing Zeus in the new Thor film. <laughs> <laughs> Thor, you will have your hammer in a couple of days. <laughs> Hello, Beautiful. gentlemen. How are you today? <laughs> <laughs> this is Lady Thor. Her name is Marika. <laughs> I mean, it was racist when it was the 80s. It's definitely racist now. <laughs> uh, Twitter has erupted in fury. All yeah, right. Okay. I mean, that's All a, right. Well, that's hardly a headline. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter has erupted in fury after Russell Crowe apparently. Oh, yes. Okay, great. This is fantastic. Right. Um, Russell Crowe has thumbed his nose at a protocol. What protocol, Charlie, has Russell Crowe thumbed his nose at? Like, is it mask wearing? Is it a mask? Refuse to wear a mask on a plane or something? He, he did not refuse to do something. He did something that is ordinarily forbidden at this place. But Russell Crowe said, the fucking rules don't apply, apply to Condesusera. <laughs> Condesusera. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we see at a, like, because I know I've been, he's been posting a bunch of pics lately. I have been seeing yes. that on Twitter. It's like, hey, where am I now? Where am I now? And it's like, what is Okay, this? so this has to do with pics that he's posted. Yes, okay. he's posted so pics from a place where these pics are, are not meant to be posted. Okay, right. So it'd have to be a place where it's like, there's a there's this long-standing tradition where you don't blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, correct. Is it famous? Would I nod off the top of my head or is it kind of niche? Absolutely famous. Like okay. it's, it's could not be more famous. Okay, you don't take a photo of... <sighs> Is it okay? Am I in the ballpark? He took a photo of something you don't take a photo of, or he did correct? Okay, he took a photo. Um, he took a photo of someone's butthole. Think <laughs> the Pope's butthole? <laughs> no, no, no. Have you been on the internet? It's mostly butthole photos. That is. <laughs> he kicked the Pope's door into the Vatican and took a photo of his butthole. Okay, 
you, you absolutely okay in the right oh, space. He's in, so so he's in the Vatican. He's or currently uh, in Rome. Mm. He's filming a, a movie called The Pope's Exorcist. Oh, and he went to a famous yes landmark, right? And took a photo. Okay, the Colosseum. Not the Colosseum. You can take photos of the Colosseum. It is mostly outdoors. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, like in some. Oh, okay, is there like a tomb or something? I mean, think about. Don't go too far away from the Pope and the way that you were raised, right, okay. Charlie. Okay, so the church. There's like a church or a cathedral or a chapel. Mm-hmm. A Did chapel. You, okay, uh, so. Um, to go back to Australian chapel. cricket, it was a chapel. chapel, but it wasn't Greg Chapel, it wasn't Ian Chapel, and it wasn't Trevor Chapel. It was indeed the Sistine Chapel. So he took what, photos inside the Sistine Chapel. You're not meant to do that? No. Oh, okay. I did not know that was a long-standing tradition. I, like Russell Crowe, I also would have thumbed my nose <laughs> at these stuffy protocols. These these eye ties, mate, telling me in Aussie what I can me, and can't do when I'm on holiday. Me, a legitimate Italian. Yeah. On the fruit around, and you're like, hang on, I think he was Greek. And whatever, whatever. <laughs> same thing, same thing. Uh, the 58-year-old gladiator star who is currently filming The Pope's Exorcist in Rome revealed he'd taken a private tour of the sacred site in a Twitter post that included several photos. Photography inside the chapel is forbidden to prevent camera flashes from damaging oh, the yeah. stunning artwork. But did he use a flash? If you don't use a flash, is it cool? I'm not sure there's a more special privilege. Is, is Russell that your Crow. Russell Crowe or Christian Bale? Is that Christian Bale's Batman with thumbs his nose? No, mate, you're putting too much gravel into it. It's more just, just, just like just, just slow things down and just do it yeah. real laconic. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, mate. Yeah. Russell Crowe. Okay, I'm Russell Crowe. So, very. <laughs> what? Why is your accent changing? You just don't keep know. it the same, just slower and deeper. I'm right. <laughs> you mean my accent, but just slower and deeper. Yeah. What basically every ABC viewer has been writing to <laughs> ask for for the last 15 years. <laughs> Could you just slow down and speak at a normal tone for a man? Stop shrieking. Uh, I'm not sure there's a more special, I'm not sure there's a more special privilege in the world than to hold the key for the Sistine Chapel and to experience its glory in silence, Crow tweeted. In another post, he wrote, a very special experience as a family yesterday. Got to walk through the Vatican Museum by ourselves. Amazing. <laughs> I thought My- what you were going to say was I've – uh, go, it's, uh, there's no one uh, greater than getting the case of Sistine Chapel and uh, experiencing its glory hole. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, come on. I imagine there is one, right? Yeah. <laughs> the most glorious glory hole of all is the one at the Sistine Chapel. Hey, there's only one hole that's holy. It's this one. You know what? And they actually have it. Michelangelo has his <laughs> finger pointing towards the hole. <laughs> That's what he was the, working on. The, That's the what the two fingers hole. are pointing towards. If you zoom in on that, you just see there's a little hole that the Pope crawls there. up into the ceiling. He just lowers his tackle through and he doesn't mind if it's a guy, it's a girl, who cares, you know? Just, yeah, you know, it's all good in the hood. <laughs> Any holes a goal, that's what I say. That's what the Pope says. <laughs> There's no photos in the chapel, guys. <laughs> no photos in the chapel. 
We're off to a good start. How long have we been running for? Like less Sorry. than 10 minutes. <laughs> Glory holes uh, in the Sistine Chapel. And Russell, Russell's, um, Russell continues. Okay. My mum walked these corridors with my father 20 plus years ago with the thousands of tourists that flock here daily and make it the third most popular museum globally. That feels that, like that the feels PR like person PR has been That's like the, the, the power hierarchy in the DC universe is about to change. That's definitely like a talking point. <laughs> They've made it the third most popular museum globally with the leading gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> and prices that can't be beat. <laughs> uh, we were given access to rooms, perspectives, and parts of the collection you don't get to see as a regular tourist. Yeah, the glorious hole. <laughs> as we squeezed. <laughs> as we squeezed into a tiny private elevator and ascended. <laughs> I mean. And ascended to a balcony few get to see. She squeezed my hand and said, I wish your father was here. Rather than you, Russell. <laughs> we stepped onto the balcony, a majestic, sweeping view of Rome. From somewhere in the Vatican, we could hear the Swiss Guard band rehearsing. Okay, look, here's what I'm going to say. This is a pretty big humble brag, Russell Crowe. <laughs> like, we haven't got to, like, Twitter being that unimpressed at this point, but I've got to be honest with you, it's... Like, post a couple of photos, but don't keep banging on about it, right? Do you think that there is any figure in the world, like, Rusty strikes me as the kind of guy who would be nonplussed at meeting the Pope. Like, do you think Rusty takes a backward step with anyone, like world leaders, whatever? Like, he, to me, he feels like he's in proper company. Yeah, like, you know, it's the, uh, the highest the highest position in the Catholic Church, one of the biggest religions in the world. And it's like, yeah. Give me the keys. I'm going to go for a wander. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to take some photos. Um, all right. So uh, these this is Twitter, the Twitter outrage, okay. by the way, which is not outrage at all. These are the tweets they've chosen from all of Twitter to show that people were outraged by this. I was there last month, but it was so packed and strictly no photos allowed. I suppose we're not all gladiators, one user wrote. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this makes a pretty straightforward point. Yeah. <laughs> You can take photos where the rest of us mere mortals aren't allowed, tweeted another. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what happens. That's the way the world works. <laughs> another added, so the church gives privileges to the rich and famous people while the plebs have to queue and swell during the heat, never mind taking photos. I mean, that's more, a, like, to be honest, a criticism of the church than it is yeah. of Russell Crowe, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it actually makes a good point. Like, isn't it harder for a rich person to enter heaven than a, yeah. uh, than a camel to go through the eye of a needle or something like that? Uh, so that's it. That's the entirety of the Twitter. The outrage. <laughs> like, and he thumbed outrage. his nose. <laughs> he thumbed his nose at them. I still love Russell Crowe. I love this new version of Russell Crowe. I don't think anything, anything, anything would make me change my mind about that. He just gets uh, funnier and more enjoyable and more cuddly with age. Um, off the back of that discussion, we talked about. Um, Exorcisms, because uh, I believe that's the film that Russell Crowe was out shooting in Italy, it was a, a, about the priest who, who performed the most exorcisms, which sent us down the Wikipedia uh, rabbit hole that I mentioned earlier. 
um, about the priest who maybe was cooking the books <laughs> when it came to the most exorcisms. Um, I think this is probably the episode that drove Adam Spencer the most insane with Will and I trying to calculate how many exorcisms one would have to perform a year to finish at the total that this priest did. But anyway, you can do the math and uh, message us if you think we get it wrong. Here is the most exorcisms. How many exorcisms do you think you can perform in a year? Let's just say, well, let's just say conservatively one a week. Well, let, no, let's say you were doing one a day, like, like no. but you take like 65 days off, right? Let's just, because let's make the math easy is basically okay. what I'm saying here. Okay, so yeah. like, let's say you can do one a day, 300, so 300 days of the year, right? Yeah. So two years gets you to 600 and then 10 times that gets you to 6,000 and then 10 times that gets you to 60,000. Fuck, that's not like a... It's a lot of exorcisms. And I don't think that – I think you are like, being very, very optimistic saying like you, like one and done. And it's not like a – it's not like going to see like a chiropractor or something. Like you've got to get a demon out. Like it's a whole process. You've got to sort of do that little dance with the with the demon. You've got to work out which demon it is. You've got to try different techniques and stuff. Like I think I've told this story before, but I we knew a priest growing up that had performed exorcisms and I – he had like he used to. I remember he came around for dinner a few times. He was a very like nervy priest, and someone said, "Oh, yeah, he had a, like a nervous breakdown after one of these exorcisms. Like he'd been in Africa or something, probably tormenting some poor mentally ill person, like trying to get a, a spirit out of them." But that was like weeks long. That was that was not like a one and done. Adam Spencer will probably message us because he messages us after every podcast, <laughs> but he will probably message us on the maths because I haven't had time to do it properly in my head. But I think it's about a, if you did one a day, 300 odd, like if you did, if you worked every day yeah, and you did one exorcism a day and you think that's too many, but that's mm. still going to take you easily plus 150 years. I think 160 or 170 years it would take you if you're doing one a day so that means on his lifespan he's got to have been doing three exorcisms a day basically. i was going to say is he like one of those chess masters who just has mm. like he has seven oh, yeah. possessed people going. lined he, up he, in front he, like, of him and he on, just goes on random beds strapped yeah. down to the bed and he yeah. just goes around and just like, exercising <laughs> just flicking yeah. holy water demon leave the demon leave <laughs> yeah, yeah demon leave the power of christ compels you compels you compels you blah 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 well, or you he, said the chi- you said the chiropractor thing. I've yeah. been to like a chiropractor or a physio where often what they will do is they will come in for the adjustment at the end, the assessment at the start and the adjustment at the end, but the there's a masseuse or whatever that tags in for 40 minutes in yeah. the middle who's just really basically working your body and the chiropractor's going around to the other rooms like you know, getting through a few appointments at once. So yeah. I think this is – if he's doing three a day, yeah, like, and this is on average, three a day every day. So that means there's got to have been days when there was more than three a day. Yeah. So, the, yeah, I, I mean, he's got to have he, more. Like, do you, do you think he franchised it like Jim's mowing? Uh, what What's the priest's name? What was his um, name? Oh, hang on. I'm going to have to look at Pablo, was he? Pablo's exorcisms. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a van rolls rolling around Italy just with his face, his face on the side. Need no, Gabriel. Oh, Gabriel's exorcisms. Yep. Gabby's exorcisms. It's just a franchise. You just just license it. So it's not actually him. But I think he's claiming that it was him. He's claiming Wilt Chamberlain style, you know, when he said he'd slept with 10,000 people or whatever. This is him saying, I exorcised 60,000. Is there a room at the Vatican? Like, was he just, when people were coming to town, 
Like, were they just coming in going, yeah, I've got a few demons, and he would come in and give a little mini exorcism? Well, I guess those, like, preachers, when you see those kind Mm. of evangelical, they're doing, like, whole churches, right? Like, they'll get, like, 20 people up there, and they'll be like, demon out, Mm. demon out. Like, maybe he's just doing that. Because if he he really is, like, the number one Mm. exorcism dude, then he can probably sell out a stadium. Like, he's not doing your... He's not doing your Rudy Hill RSL exorcism. I know, but how's crowd security if your audience is full of possessed, possessed. people? <laughs> That's really – I mean, it's a tough gig up to the exorcism. I imagine that after that – and I look, I imagine they're there with friends and family. It's not like you've got an entire room full of people, you know, possessed by demons. But let's just say there's 100 in the room and you've got like at least two family members, I'd say like maybe three or four to like, you know, hold them down. They're possessed by a demon, right? So out of the hundred, you've still got like 10, 20 people possessed by a demon in your audience every night. That is messy. What would it take for you to be convinced? Like, like would it, for someone that is possessed by a demon, would it have to be something like supernatural? Like they levitate, their head spins around? Or do you think like if there was an extremity of behavior, could be enough that makes you go, this is beyond mental illness. This is clearly something that I can't explain going on. Or would you need the supernatural element? Yeah, definitely would need the supernatural. And even then I'd be skeptical. <laughs> like The head did a 360, Will. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what more evidence do you need? Oh, I don't know. It seemed to my like eyes and perception that the head just did a 360, but – like, am I hallucinating? Like, is there something going on with me in this? Like, that that would be my process. I'd be like, right. I need to see the head go around again, just to be sure. <laughs> like, I think I've seen it go around once, but it's got to do a victory lap for me to be fully convinced. So 60,000, he must retire like mm. – he's the Don Bradman of exorcists, mm. right? Like, he would have the best average yeah. in, the highest, in the highest run count. I can't imagine there's someone who's done more than 60,000 exorcisms. Well, I'm sure there's someone who's done like unlicensed. There's probably some back room. This is why you can't ban exorcisms, Will, because you don't actually ban exorcisms. Right. You just make them more dangerous. Backyard exorcisms. (laughs) (laughs) Alleyway exorcisms. (laughs) You just see all these people going around. You're driving them, all these poor possessed people driving them to go underground to get their exorcisms. Uh, Most exorcisms ever. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see what we can find out about exorcisms. Um, so uh, let's see if this helps. Um, uh, no, no, no. no, no there doesn't seem to be any other reference to someone having done. I'm pretty sure. Like, so Catholic- I'm going to say I'm going to say he's a clubhouse leader. Right. Okay. Um, also, I think he was that- working at the, he was working at the Vatican, right? Like so. He's their guy. Like, I mean, yeah. he's got the inside. Even if he wasn't the best exorcist in the world, he works for the place that is going to be sending out the exorcist, right? Can he's you, their company man. Can you Google this guy? Does he have a Wikipedia page? No, oh, yeah, I'm sure that he does. Because I, I, because from my understanding is like the Catholic Church has distanced itself for a long time from like exorcisms. They don't even have like any active exorcist going anymore. So this sounds like great marketing material for a Hollywood film, but I would be interested okay. to know if this dude is actually legit or, I mean, citation needed is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, let's let's see if uh, Wikipedia can provide us the answers that we need to know. 
Uh, Gabrielle Amorth. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to see if I can drop in to this, and this might be beyond my Just send me the link. You can't drop the photo in, but if you drop uh, the, I link, can't? the link Okay. In. You just go to just Wikipedia. Cut and paste the link. All right. Go to Wikipedia of uh, Gabrielle Amorth uh, and have a look at the photo of him there because he <laughs> looks like a guy who was not capable of exercising his own demons. He looks very much like when Darth Vader took his helmet off is basically <laughs> what he looks like, I will say. How do you spell Amorth? A-M-O-R-T-H. T-H, okay. Gabrielle Amorth. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, less time exorcising and more time exercising is what I'm saying, Gabriel. In your faith. He really like he does look that that is the perfect description. He looks like Darth Vader from the original trilogy yeah. when he takes the helmet. Yeah. <laughs> look at look at those jowls. He, he looks part man, part hound dog. I mean, like maybe it takes a lot out of you to suck demons out of people. Yeah, you so, think he's physically sucking the dog with those cheeks? Through, through, through the glorious hole. That's what, how he does it. He says, you're going to have to get up here on the roof. Man, he's, got, he's got cheeks like bellows. My goodness, that could suck okay. and blow. I'm going to read you a little bit about Gabriella yeah. Morse. He is oh. no longer with us, unfortunately. Died 16th of September 2016, so did not, unfortunately, get to see the Bulldogs win their breakthrough premiership in the <laughs> AFL, which I know very much. Did not get to see the Bulldogs exercise our demons. Uh, was an Italian Catholic priest and exorcist of the Diocese of Rome who performed, they say, tens of thousands of exorcisms over his 60-plus years as a priest. <clears throat> okay, so well, that basically 10, 60 years a as a year. priest, 10,000 a year is what we're looking yeah. at. That's still a lot. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> And when I, when you put it like that, I feel like any maths I was trying to do earlier was way out. Podcast Mike, can you just divide um, 10,000 by 300 and then we can work out how many he's doing a day if he indeed mm. had 65 days off a year? Because <laughs> yeah. I think he's going to – I think he'd have to work weekends. <laughs> as, as the appointed exorcist for the Diocese of Rome, he was the chief exorcist of the Vatican. Okay. Um uh, all right. He was so he ordained. Died, so he died in when? Yeah. Like 2016? 2016. So his prime um, era sounds like was 60s and 70s, right? That's like when he's. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. This is fun. Um, he, in 1990, he founded the International Association of Exorcists and was president until he retired in 2000. He was honorary president for life for the association until his death. So, like, amongst exorcists. Um, then, like, he, he's your guy, right? He's your yeah. main go-to. So what was his favourite movie, Charlie? The Exorcist. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it substantially correct and based on true events. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm so. reckoning this, like, he started this club and maybe he was the president, board, and sole member of this club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, treasurer. Yeah. <laughs> Gabriella Morph. Um, exorcisms, here we go. In October 2000, it was reported he had performed over 50,000 exorcisms, which ranged from, here we go, a few minutes to several hours in length. So some of them are going okay. for several hours. Yeah, one's, one's at least doing telehealth exorcisms. Just open yeah. the phone, mate. Hey, what's your problem? Uh, oh, yeah, it sounds like you've got a Beelzebub. Just uh, take two Panadol. <laughs> <laughs> in March 2010, he said that the number had increased to 70,000. 
By May 2013, oh, okay. Hang on. (laughs) This is, this is, okay. We're going to play a little game of numbers here, Charlie. Okay. In October 2000, it was reported he had performed over 50,000. Fast forward 10 years later, he said that number has increased to 70,000. But you've got to remember, he's getting towards like the, the later years of his life, right? Yeah. By May 2013, so three years after that, how many exorcisms did he claim that he had performed? Okay. So he went from 50 <laughs> to 70. Yeah. And then like it's a whole Over decade, 10 years. And then later. over three more years, uh, how many more? Another 10,000. Mm, higher. Another 20,000. Higher. Another 30,000. Higher. Another 50,000. Higher. <laughs> Another 100,000. Uh, he claimed that he had performed in total 160,000 exorcisms <laughs> in the course of his ministry. I don't like uh, in wrestling. There is a trope when you want to push, like it could be a heel or a face, where you give them an undefeated run. You turn them into a monster. It's kind of like what they did with Goldberg in the WCW is like you just keep racking up the wins and they're called squash matches. He'll come out and he'll just like kill a guy in two minutes. And so it's a great way to build a storyline about this unstoppable force. Mm -hmm. But the way they do it in wrestling is like, so Goldberg, his big gimmick was like, you know, he's been undefeated in like, you know, 60 matches, 70 matches. If you actually look at the timeline, he only wrestled like about 30 matches, but each time they, they would get to a finish, it's like, that's his like 70th one in a row. I think that's what Gabriel was doing in this instance. He would like do an exorcism and just tag on an extra 10,000 <laughs> at the back of that. Okay, so you're going to love this. According to Amorth, by the way, before we like started this podcast, Charlie's like, um, I went to Splendor in the Grass, so we'll probably just talk about that and then read some letters. We will do both of those things at some point, but this is this is amazing. Yeah. So according to a moth, each exorcism does not represent a victim of possession. But rather, this is where we get to how many he considers to be exorcisms, but rather each exorcism is counted as a prayer or ritual alone, and some possession victims required hundreds of exorcisms. So he's running a little fucking rort here, right? Like okay. where it's like, oh, it looks like I've got to yeah. exercise you again. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of right? like the when they sell you a printer. Like the yeah. printer's cheap, mm. but the bloody ink cartridges <laughs> ink. and the toner cost you a fortune. you got to get them like every month. Edward Peters, a professor of canon law, finds Amorth's claim to have personally performed 30,000 exorcisms over nine years astounding. <laughs> Even accepting Amorth's claim that only 94 of his 30,000 exorcisms represented full-blown possession. So what we're getting closer to the truth here, yeah. Charlie, which is that he's done 94 exorcisms. <laughs> That's basically is the number, I think. Um, that would have required roughly one case a month to be thoroughly examined and, and processed over nine years with hardly a break. Right. So That makes more sense. <clears throat> oh, Ah, this is great too. I love this guy. I'm so into this movie. Amorth believed that a person may be possessed by more than one demon at once. Sometimes numbering in the thousands, Ah. which accounts for the high number of reputed demons exercised. 
Hang on, wait a minute. But that, look, that's a, there's a terminology issue here because we hasn't said he's performed. He, they didn't say he's exercised over 170,000 uh-huh. demons. They said nah. he's performed over 170,000 exorcisms. Yeah. So which but one is it, Gabriel? He's, but he's counting like that's like a, yeah, that was a thousand today. I did a thousand yeah. exorcisms. You had like a thousand demons. So chalk that all up. Blah, 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 blah. Christ I know I Christ quoted compelled. you for 34 demons, but like I, once I got in there, I found like a thousand. So anyway. <laughs> you got sorry. a whole nest in there. You got a nest yeah. of demons. <laughs> Just one more clip before I get out of here. And while we're on the subject of the supernatural, um, I found an article about celebrity ghost encounters and potentially a celebrity who has uh, been assaulting his family and blaming it on a ghost. Uh, I'll let you decide for yourselves, but uh, I love a bit of a ghost story. In fact, if you're into the supernatural, I encourage you to go to Fofop and check out the episodes that I've done with Ben McClay, aka Thomas Violence on Twitter. We both have a bit of a soft spot for the supernatural. We did a Halloween episode of Fofop last year where we read out lots of different spooky stories <laughs> that are posted online and deconstructed them. Um, But this was one, this was a straight up and down, I think it was a BuzzFeed article or something about celebrity ghost encounters. Take it away, Charlie from the past. Now, back to Kendrick. So I decided to do a bit of digging online just to find out who is this Kendrick Lamar. And I stumbled across this article, which it just made me laugh so much. And I've read it a couple of times. This is from Rolling Stone. So it's like a legitimate publication. And it is 13 musicians with paranormal experiences. Oh, okay. Right. Now, uh, the little intro is Halloween is right around the... Who wrote this article? This is... Uh, doesn't give a writer, just by Rolling Stone. Halloween is right around the corner, but according to some of your favourite musicians, so is the occasional ghost. Okay. Um, so Kendrick Lamar. Now, can you guess what his paranormal encounter was? I, and oh, I might give it away. If he had an encounter with the spirit of a famous dead rapper um did he just see the two-pack hologram at coachella and think that it was a ghost because that's what i'm hearing i'm hearing kendrick was having a big time at coachella and then he's backstage and they're testing that two-pack hologram and he thought he's got talked to the ghost of two-pack Shakur. acclaimed rap artist and activist kendrick lamar claims to have been visited in his sleep yeah by the ghost of legendary Tupac Shakur. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hologram. I agree. Other rappers, it was the hologram. Like Eminem and Dr. Dre are punking Kendrick Lamar yeah. with the hologram of Tupac. Lamar spoke of the incident to Homegrown Radio, recalling how Shakur's silhouette came to him and said, keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't let my music die. <laughs> now... If it's in silhouette, my understanding yeah. of silhouette is you are completely concealed by shadow. That's what a silhouette is, right? Yeah. Yep. And so if I had to describe Tupac in silhouette, it would be like sort of muscular, shirtless with that bandana tied backwards. Yep. That's how you That could l- literally be anyone <laughs> who was muscular and bald with a bandana tied backwards. It I, could have been Dr. Dre I mean, pranking him. It could have been, but like I said, Dre's already paid all that money for the two-pack yeah. hologram. He's already got that. Why would he even have to bother dressing up himself? Uh, this experience later inspired Kendrick mm-hmm. to the closing of the song to pimp a butterfly oh, yeah. um, uh, titled Mortal Man, which he samples his real-life interview with the fallen rap legend in 1994. Now, here's what I was going to say. I thought it was going to be when he met Ghostface Killer. No. And I... <laughs> 
<laughs> like, it's like he came in to rap on your album, man. He's not an actual ghost. <laughs> he was just in Wu Tang. <laughs> Uh, the next artist, Ace Freely from Kiss, has okay. a connection to the other side. Okay. Yep. Founding Kiss guitarist Ace Freely recounts two different occasions when both his wife and daughter were violently pushed down the steps of their home oh, yeah. by what he claims to be a ghost. Your Honour. <laughs> Is there a worse, more pathetic excuse than they were pushed by a ghost? By a ghost? I mean, come on. Like so who lives in your house? Your Just me, my wife, my child, and me. And a ghost. And a ghost. And a ghost. <laughs> who likes to drink too much and push people down the stairs. Oh and wears star man face makeup. <laughs> I mean, no. that's He doesn't. Uh, Ace said, I always had a sense that here was some type of connection with me and the other side. He explained on Celebrity Ghost Story. Not long after Freely purchased a large family home in Westchester, he noticed things being moved around from place mm. to place. Mm -hmm. He once discovered his daughter at the foot of the staircase. Mm -hmm. Freely attributed whatever presence he'd noticed in the home must have been an evil spirit. So hang on. He once discovered his daughter at the foot of the staircase. But what? Like as in, it doesn't say was she prone? Was she just standing there? Well, I assume that this like didn't they make said, an entire Netflix true crime series about this? Yeah, this is the original plot of the staircase. staircase. Yeah. <laughs> it was Ace Freely and his child. Um, I think that the implication here is that she's been pushed down the stairs. That he's right. discovered her at the bottom of the stairs, having been pushed down the stairs by this. Ghost. Okay, all right. Let's just let's just role play. I call you up, Will. Uh, who am I? And I say, and you say, how are you going, man? I'm like, not great. Oh, um, Jem's had to, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, you're, yeah, right. you're you and I'm me. Okay. Jem's had to take her under the hospital. You're yeah. like, oh no, what happened? What and happened, I say, man? <laughs> I, I, I saw a ghost push her down the stairs. Okay, man, you, you've got to go to jail. I'll come over and I'll take you to jail. I'm not even going to entertain the thought. Straight not even to going jail. to <laughs> directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. I'm taking you to prison, man. Uh, unsurprisingly, Ace Frilly's marriage fell apart, and his daughter moved out after the incident. Um, Did she but move out, he... or was she pushed out by a ghost? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Once he moved back to the property with his new wife. What? Oh. You've got oh. like a deathly spirit in your house. You can't bring a new wife in. Oh, don't tell me she's been pushed down the stairs as well. <laughs> she immediately picked up on the eeriness without ever knowing about the spirit in the staircase. She too claims to have been pushed down those same oh steps. Oh, my God. <sighs> a psychic told Freely that his house had previously been inhabited by an abusive mother who'd murdered her children in the home. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that is the most likely explanation for the series of events that have been described. I mean, I imagine the new wife wakes up unconscious at the bottom, bottom of, the, of stairs the stairs and he's standing over and he's like, oh my oh, God, God I, you know, I told you about my ex-wife, my daughter, how they left because <laughs> that ghost pushed her. He pushed you as well. I saw the whole thing. You know what the interesting thing is? that, I, Like the ghost has pushed his new wife, his old wife and his child down the stairs. But here's what I'm not hearing from this description. Has this ghost ever pushed Ace Freely down the stairs? <laughs> no, no, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> and I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> and that's it. New episodes of Tofop and Fofop will be coming back in the next couple of weeks. Just one more week. 
of compilations to go. Um, I encourage you in the meantime to go to tofop.com and check out some of our other great podcasts. Tofop, Fofop, Two Guys, One Cup. Uh, we're actually doing new episodes of Two Guys, One Cup, uh, a summer series, I should say. Two Guys, One Cup, My Club, where I sit down with various celebrities and chat to them about the Aussie football, Aussie football, what the fuck am I talking about? The uh, AFL footy teams they support, the teams they love and sometimes hate. Um, that is going to be running all summer, right at, uh, leading up into this new season. So you can check that out. Lots of great celebrity guests on it already. Lots of great celebrity guests coming up. Two Guys, One Cup, My Club, available on the Listener app. Uh, but for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. Relax.